Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of In The Clock End with myself, Kelvin, and I'm joined today um, and it's a, it's a happy Friday. Why not? I mean, it's the end of the week. I'm joined by Liam. Liam, how are you? I'm not so bad, thank you. Um, after yesterday um, and after spending 20 minutes trying to set up this brand new microphone that I've advertised on Twitter, um, it could be better, but could be worse, I suppose. Yeah, just just for clarification there, listeners, he couldn't get it to work. Um, and neither could I, to be honest with you. So we've decided to just crack on. Um, so we'll have Liam sounding crisp, all being well, next week. Um, whenever that may be, who knows? One thing that's definitely frustrating me, Liam, um, trying to be a podcaster is... This TV schedule not only you know is annoying for the match day going van, it's annoying for us to come up with some sort of schedule. Um, look, listeners, you're probably wondering what happened to us doing a podcast after Newcastle. Um, it's been a bit of a strange week, as you're also probably understanding here. Again, it sounds a little bit different. Steve's given me a bit more heads up this week that he couldn't attend, so there should be a bit more structure. But Steve's had a big week um, in his life with his fiance um you know moved into their new house and big congratulations to them and obviously he's still probably just putting up multiple flat packs uh, and god knows what else um, and all the joy that comes when you move home so we will be without steve completely this week uh, he's decided to to not even bother entertaining speaking about the manchester united game and to be honest with you i can kind of understand that um i mean he's in a good place with the new home and Let's, let's not let Arsenal and ourselves bring him back down to earth with a bit of a bump. So me and Liam will be getting stuck into this post-Man United, whatever you want to call it. We're not going to talk about Newcastle, just, just for clarification, it's too far, too far gone. Um, look, in a nutshell, great, great, uh, great performance on the day, I thought. Uh, great to, to, to bounce back from the 4-0 defeat. But unfortunately, all that gloss has disappeared today uh, after last night's performance. So with that in mind, let's jump straight into this. This, I mean, what do you want to call it, Liam? I'll let you go. Uh, let's start with the starting lineup, I guess. Um, when it came out, I know how I felt. I, I'd be very keen to know how you felt. Um, so pick away. Oh, I think nervous would probably be a very apt description for multiple reasons. Uh, one, well, we all knew the, the news broke a little bit early, thanks to Chris Wheatley, that El Nini would be starting the game. And um, it has to be said that was, um, let's, let's put it as an interesting choice. When you've got Sambi there on the bench, you've got Maitland-Niles even. Mm. It, it was, uh, yeah, interesting to say the least. Um, there was obviously no Saka, so Gabby comes straight back in, and the rest of the squad pretty much picked itself. Mm. But I did see Man United line up as well, and I looked at it and I thought, well, they've got two very conservative holding midfielders to shore up their pretty average to poor back four. Mm. Um, but they could hurt us. That, that was quite, yeah, it was quite a scary front four, I have to admit. Mm. Um, Ronaldo at the top of things, Bruno behind, making things work, and a lot of speed with Sancho and Rashford on those sides. Mm. I thought they had a lot. That I thought they would have goals in them. And so it proved. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can understand what you're saying. You know, when the, 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 the front four for United on paper, yeah, it's not fun to look at. 
But I think you really touched on something quite, you know, quite useful and you know, quite important. It was, you know, their centre mid pairing. Now, look, we're hardly in a position to start shouting about centre mid pairings being, you know, top class and all that sort of stuff. But you know, Scott McTominay for me is bang average. And I don't know what it is. I don't know. Actually, just with Everton in mind, I don't know we'll come on to Everton later for a very brief chat on that. But, you know, they're, they're going through a shocking run of form at the minute. Um, you know, there could have been a cricket score within 20 minutes against Liverpool the other night. And one of the things that just bloody annoys me is when I look forward to that, that Everton game on Monday, I just feel like Arsenal are just one of those clubs that if you're going for a bit of a tricky period, whether that's as a player or as a club, and then you've got us coming up, you rub your hand. You must rub your hands together. I don't know whether it's just a fan feeling I get, but I'm like, if you're going through, we're we're the best team to play against. If you're if you're having a tough time, you might get a result against this. And it's like strikers who haven't scored for fucking weeks. They come and play Arsenal and they score. Um, that's happened more than, more than one occasion over the years, and I'm sure look, it happens to every club up, up and down the country. But I don't really concern myself uh, with, with them too often. But back to the United game. Um, you know that I did think. You know, Steve asked me what what, what the, my score prediction was for the game. I ambitiously put two on Arsenal, um, because I did feel, and this was before I saw the lineup. By the way, I must caveat that because my my opinion did change a little bit, and I think the Elneny pick, as much as I could kind of understand it. I mean, look, Elneny had, and Thomas Partey had their their best performances last season away at Old Trafford. Um, and it really worked. So I can understand why you went back to it, but I still didn't want us to go back to it. Elneny's not the, not, not the future of this club. Uh, and something that I kind of touched on before we jumped on here was the Elneny selection just didn't sit well with me if we're coming at this from a point that Arteta likes to, to bang on about, and that's meritocracy. And, you know, Tavares starting at left back again, I had no issue with him starting at left back last night because he's playing well. Um, I loved his response to the, the mistakes at Anfield and I still felt he made that mistake trying, you know, and I don't mind that so much. He's a young player. He's just in, he's raw, lots of energy, love that. And shit happens. Whereas, you know, Sambi the other the weekend was better than Thomas Partey, in my opinion. I thought he had the better game in centre mid against Newcastle. Um, and then he's, rightly or wrongly, dropped for a very, very poor player. Um, maybe that's a bit harsh. He's not very, very poor. You just know what you're going to get, sideways and backwards. And the amount of times that Elneny received the ball yesterday on the turn, to, to, to you know, to he was never looking to play that forward pass. So, you know, I can understand people's frustrations around that. Like you said about the rest of the squad picking itself, it does, that back five just does uh, at this moment in time. It's not even a... Uh, unless someone's injured, you know you know who's going in there. So the only other thing to look at, I guess, um, I'd love to know your kind of opinion on it. And we're not going to get you know dive into his performance so much. But did you feel Aubameyang's inclusion was justified for this game? Um, justified? No, based on recent performances. That's that's an easy answer. Hmm. What? I- I, it didn't shock me to see him, and I didn't look and I go, "Ah, oh, well, that's going to be a problem." There were other concerns that I had. There's one that sticks out like a sore thumb, Elneny, mm. as we just discussed. Mm. But as the game goes on, and the more I'm looking at more of our matches, I just find that when we're on the back foot, you, we just can't seem to get forward. 
our mm. back four drops and drops and drops and drops because they're under a lot of pressure. They're under waves of pressure and they're dropping deep, protecting their goal. And that's understandable, even if you want them to, to try and fight that natural tendency. But when we've got a Bamiyang up front, we don't really have much of an escape, not centrally. Mm. We have to go wide, but actually teams want us to go wide. I mean, I coach myself in my own team mm. that when we lose the ball, when we counter-press, force them wide, there are less options and it's less dangerous for us. So when we have a Bamiyang central, we don't have that, that I can't think of the word, but that kind of figurehead almost. It just never sticks, basically. If, you, if you're going to look to yeah. play the long ball, it doesn't stick. Yeah, and if you're going to go over the top for him to run onto something, he's still not going to get it because he's not aerially dominant. The centre-back's just going to go, oh, OK, I'll drop for a couple of yards. As soon as I see Ben White pull his leg back to go over the top, or Parsi mm. or Gabriel, whoever, then mm. oh, OK, I'll drop five yards so I can attack this in the air before it's gone over my head and throw a Bamiyan to run onto. So mm. that's ineffective as well. And so what, what that means is when we're trying to get out of these moments of pressure, and trying to relieve that pressure, we can't retain the ball well enough for us no. to move our back four from a low block to a mid to low block to a mm. mid and then gradually up the pitch whilst we get a foothold. Mm. It's, for me, I'm, I'm sure there's probably more reasons why we can't get out of these moments of pressure. Mm. For me, Bamiyang is playing a big part of it. And besides what you think of his performances, in terms of goal scoring in front of goal, we had a mayor obviously against Newcastle. Mm. But that's the other problem he's presenting. If he's not scoring goals, he doesn't offer us enough. And so, no, you, you, I didn't notice it at the time. I didn't think much of it. But now I'm really thinking, actually, no, I don't really want him starting. And mm. never thought I'd have said that a couple of years ago. No, I don't. Yeah, rewind a couple of years and the bloke was banging form. I don't think any any of us would have envisaged such a, a dramatic drop off, to be honest with you. And I do think, and again, not to blow smoke up my own ass too much, but I've been saying this for, for quite a while about Aubameyang, that there's, you know, why he's never made it to the elite level of the game, why he's no one ever come in for him. You know, he was always known as an elite level striker, but it's this lack of take the goals away from Aubameyang, what you're left with. And unfortunately, as we're finding out, it's not a fucking lot. Um, you're left with pittance uh, to work with. And it's getting to the point where, and again, I don't want to you know, bash the guy because, you know, he not single-handedly won us the FA Cup there, but, you know, did a good, good amount um, to, to get us on track to, to have the ability to win it. But I still think the, and I spoke about this a while ago, I do think the malaria with post-malaria is going to have a much bigger impact than any of us would ever properly realise. Never had it. I hope to never have it. So I'm not, not sure what it's like. But I've, I do remember when Colo Torre had malaria uh, a long time ago and he was, you know, really, really established at that point as our centre-half. He went off the rails a little bit, um, looked quite weak. Um, and there were questions of whether he'd be able to rediscover himself again. And let's look at the profiles here. Bamiyang's 30, how was he, 33? 32, 33, somewhere around that ballpark. Yeah, and I think Torrey at the time would have been in his, you know, mid-20s. Um, so slightly different periods of time within their careers and their bodies will react in very different ways. But, you know, Bamiyan looked weak last season, looked thin, to be honest with you, for my, for my eyes. The, the, you know, he doesn't have, he's never been one to have muscular physique or be able to throw a shoulder, but, you know. Like he, he didn't he, have it in him. 
if that makes sense. Yeah. He just didn't have it in him to to carry on anymore. Yeah. In, a, in a weird sort of sense. Mm. Weird to say at the first minute of a game, but you get my point. Yeah, I completely get your point. And as you say that, I can't help but think that I do... Because one thing I've... It reminds me of how I used to view Sanchez in his, you know, the last, the latter part of his Arsenal, short Arsenal career, was he gave the ball away a lot. He tried hard, but I felt it, he became ineffective for Arsenal towards the end of his career because he just kept giving the ball away. But the one thing that always... Not always, and it's probably more my my opinion than you know the entire fan base. But I felt that what kind of you know we gave him an easy ride because he always put in the effort, and that's one thing we always like. Is look, you can have a poor game, that's fine, but as long as I can see you've put in the effort, then you are kind of let you off a little bit. Whereas if you have a poor game and you haven't put in the effort, it's a very different discussion. And I think that Aubameyang's still working hard or appears to be working hard, but like you, I just. Watching that game last night, it really, really felt like we were just playing a game with 10 men, to be perfectly honest with you. And it's it made me even go to the, dare I say this, never thought I'd say this. Would we as a team, because I don't think we have the striker that we need, by the way. I don't think we have a solution in, in the club. Would we be better at looking at playing a false nine or just not playing with an out-and-out figurehead? Because I just don't think we have one. I'm inclined to agree, and I think we were going to get onto it later anyway uh, when we talk about substitutions. Mm. But I think Pepe wouldn't be a bad shout for a false nine. Just float around the top because yeah. his main asset, right, is goal scoring, isn't it? Well, get him close to the goal and okay. die trying. Liam, I've work. just I've just got to cut across you there. It's like you're living in my head rent free, to be honest with you, because. <laughs> You laugh, but and, and I know that, that Steve will laugh when he hears this. I said this to him, Jesus, I think it's after we lost to Liverpool. And I said, look, we, we, I mean, we may as well just get on to this point now, right? Let's just talk about, you know, what is the deal with Pepe? You know, the subs were weird. I did feel that the, the Nketiah sub was very pointed for multiple reasons. Mm. One, you overlooked Pepe. And then you also brought on a lad who's just, they basically said he's leaving um, for our senior captain who... We'll, yeah, go down. Hmm? we'll go down and whatever you think of Aubameyang, whatever sort of game he's having, you want Aubameyang, a, a proven goal scorer in the past at least, on the pitch ready in case a chance falls your way, don't you? Yes and no. I mean, yeah, I can kind of understand what you're saying, but to be honest with you, that goal scoring ability is not there at the minute. I don't have any confidence in Aubameyang in front of goal when he's there. Okay, right, so re- if well, I can rephrase it a slightly different yeah, way, sorry, before, just before we move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the option is Aubameyang up front or Eddie, or do you have Aubameyang and Eddie, and you don't have, I don't know, let, let's just say El Nenny, right? You've taken off, I'm just saying because you've taken a midfielder off for another striker, mm-hmm. or you've taken off Gabriel uh, or Nuno or Tomiyasu, mm-hmm. wouldn't you rather just have Aubameyang and Eddie and Laka? Yes. All of these goal scorers on the pitch. If you're chasing that, a game, that was right? a, yeah, yeah, that, that was more to my more to my point. Sorry. Yeah, I think that's yeah, you know, thanks for coming back and correcting that because I think yeah, you're absolutely spot on. If you're chasing a game, hundred um, percent. But something I said last on the last podcast, which is really concerning me with Arteta, is this lack of in-game tactical flexibility. Everything is pretty much still like for like with our substitutions. I don't. It doesn't really mix it up. He doesn't give the opposition. 
something to think about in game. Um, it's kind of this is how we're playing from minute one to minute ninety. If you know how to figure it out, we're fucked. <laughs> Basically, uh, we don't have a plan B at all. Um, but you know, it's funny just going back to your Pepe point of trying him there. I say to Steve, I said, look, if he's that far out of favour. I still think there's position, you know, he he could be effective on the left-hand side of the front three. I do. Um, I think that's where we got the best out of him playing for us. Not on the right, um, where he, you know, well, that's where he played for, for Lille, but on the left, um, because, you know, he's, he's left-footed. Um, and all he can do when he plays on the right is cut back to that left, which is the most obvious thing in the world. But why not try him? as a, In Aubameyang's position, like... I can't see him doing anything worse than what Aubameyang's doing at the minute. Like, he's got, you know, that bit of unpredictability about his game. That might help. Again, I'm just looking for something else because I am tired of watching Aubameyang play for us at the minute. Um, I haven't seen anything this season. And I will say this season, most of his goals that he's scored, to be honest with you, have not been good finishes. You could even count the one against Tottenham. It was a scuff. It was a scuff. Well, um, it, yeah, it, it, you're absolutely right. It was a scuff. Um, but sometimes that kind of helps you out. You know what? Ozil used to did it deliberately against Chelsea. So you can kind of scuff deliberately, if that makes sense. So I, I true. can't say I thought about it at the time. But if, there was a goal against Palace that he took very well. He took the rebounded penalty against Villa quite well. Yeah, I'll give him some credit. In the first place. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He has missed the penalty in the first place, but that's got to go to Emmy. I think we've got to credit Emmy on that one because it's a bloody good save. Uh, no, you shake your head. I'm shaking. Yeah, I'm shaking my head because I just, I just think, you know, we we played in goal. You still play in goal. That for me as a keeper is bread and butter for a penalty save. It's perfect height. It's not in the corner. It's like halfway between him and the post. It's perfect. All he has to do, as long as he's gone the right way, it's the easiest save he'll make. I think you do him a little disservice. I don't think it was quite halfway. I think it was close to the corner. Maybe I'll have to look it back. But no, yeah. we're going off topic anyway. Yeah, we, we love think, doing that. Yeah, don't we just. Um, but no, I think you're actually right. Do you remember Pepe scored a goal in the Europa League? Was it against that? Was it against the Irish team? And he just sort of trapped the ball with his left foot. It was under him, but he still... He pinned it, it with his right. right foot in, like stood still into the top corner. Yeah, like it just digs it out, but it's absolutely pinpoint in the top corner. Mm. Now, I don't care what team you play against. He had five players around him and the keeper still to beat, and he still pulls it out and he puts it Finish. in a corner that the keepers mm. don't reach, not mm. easily anyway. Yeah. So, what I, I don't care whether we play Pepe left, right, or central. I mean, mm. I think the idea of a false nine is a great one. We're never going to see it though, but I just. I'm fed up of seeing him in lane five out on the wide extremities of the pitch. He can't mm. do damage there because his... When I saw all these scouting videos when we first signed him, I thought, bloody hell, this guy can dribble. No, no, he can't. He can run because he's quite quick. But his actual superpower is shooting because he has got a wicked left foot on him and he can shoot and apparently he can do it with his right as well. So why don't you just get in between the widths of the post mm-hmm. and just say, I'm putting you on, your job is to score. Get in the box, get between the width of the post, and if you've got a chance, take mm-hmm. it, because he can score. And I just think with a £72 million asset on the bench, him, who's got experience, he's what, 25, 26? Yeah, he's peak, like yeah he should be coming into yeah. his 
you know, peak years. Yeah. So when you've got him on the bench as an option, with over a year left on his contract versus six months, Eddie Nketiah, never really done it in the Premier League for us at 21, mm. 22 years of that age. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you just... Why don't you just die try... If we're not making Pepe work, but he is an asset that we've got to use from time to time. So just try something. Just die that's, trying, at least. That's it. That's the nail on the head. It's the word, isn't it? It's try. Because... <laughs> Again, if we're going to, you know, buy into the, the the non-negotiables and you know meritocracy and all this stuff, which I'm all for, by the way, I do think you should mm-hmm. play players on current form and not past form. And this is a prime example of that. You, any other striker, imagine this was Shamak or Bentner or fucking whoever else you can think of who's been bang average at Arsenal over the years. Giroud, actually, there's one for you, Olivier. Imagine this was Olivier Giroud not scoring, missing cities, we'd be going mental. We'd be ridiculing in, you know, left, right and centre. And again, understandably, like, look, football's a funny one. We talk about this, the fluidity of opinion changes week on week. It annoys some people, but that's just life, right? That's football. It changes results, results-based industry. So persisting with him up front at the minute, I just find baffling. And I do think, you know, that again, come back to the trying I think Pepe is an option because, and there could be more to it that we're not privy to, which is fair. Um, and if something's gone on behind the scenes again that we don't know, then fine. But I don't have that information. I can only go on what we, you know, what what we're seeing and what we're being served up with. And I'm just like, okay, so you don't want him right, you don't want him on the left. I'm sorry, but Bamiang's fucking done at the minute. Like, there's just no confidence, no nothing. His pace is gone. And also, let's be honest, every modern day footballer needs pace. So I think pace is a good asset or was a good asset. I even think as quick as Thierry was back in the day, he wouldn't get as much free run as he he did back then. Because I do think it's one of the key assets you need. If you want to be an elite level footballer, if you don't have pace, you're going to struggle a lot. Um, And I think in key areas, you know, left back, right backs, even centre halves and strikers, they're all rapid these days. They're all quick. So I think, you know, even if he has that pace still, you know, I mean, I think that's another thing that's definitely, definitely gone. But I do think, yeah, I'd love to see Pepe just give it, give it a whirl at home against somebody mediocre-ish. Like Newcastle last week. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Honestly, I know we're talking Pepe as an option. I don't even think I'd necessarily do that, if I'm being honest. Mm. I'd be fine with Pepe coming in right or left even. Mm. I think our best attack last season, we attacked the best when it's actually Lacazette up front and just the three youngsters buzzing around. Smith and Lacazette's got that that link-up play, hasn't he? Yeah, he's just got... He's like a proper like father figure, almost, that all the young kids can just buzz off and buzz around Mm. and just play off him. And I thought that was when we were at our best in the attack last season. Um, I also think back to... I think it would help Erdegaard to a sense because I feel like Erza was at his best, not just with Alexis, but when he had Giroud to hit going mm. forward mm. to play off. Mm. So I think you could argue that Erdegaard would benefit a bit from having Lacazette. And I think just have runners off of him. And that I think that was when we were at our best last season. And I, I just, I can't escape the feeling that this isn't working with the Bamian up front. Mm. We've, as we were saying with Pepe about trying, well, we've tried it with Aubameyang. It's not working. We've really tried it, though. <laughs> it's not... Yeah, like, yeah, he's yeah. been... He, he, like, he, he would have no... 
no complaints, surely. If he was, if Arteta turned around to him after the last every performance this season, really, because even the games where he has scored, I mean, look, all he wanted to do is score goals. Let's be honest. So I'm not I'm not going to go mad at it for that. But again, I'm not going to compare it to Henri. But that was one of the things that was great about Henri. It just wasn't goals. It was just everything, all round play. What he brought to the team was just phenomenal. Um, and and, 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 and at the minute with with Aubameyang, we're just getting no output whatsoever. So I would be happy to see him sat down. I would have been a while ago, to be honest. I think it probably would have been better to do it a while ago because now it's become a bit of a thing where it's just like, okay, he's really out of form. He knows it too. I mean, I saw his Instagram post um, oh, come up the, there recently. Do you, recently. The, do you remember, was it the liking Ronaldo's thing? Or was it something else? I know I haven't seen him like anything to do with Ronaldo, but no, it's just oh. no. He literally just put up a post up, just you know, saying how disappointing last night was, and oh. basically along the lines of you know he's judging himself. I'm like, that's a well and good. Again, like I just one of these, and I go back to one of the cliche sayings. I'm a bit old school sometimes, but I'm just like, don't care what you say. Words mean nothing to me. Mm-hmm. Do your talking on the pitch. Show them. Actions speak louder than words, Thank don't you. they? As That's exactly says. the cliche saying that I, I, in every aspect of life, I think about. And when it comes to footballers, is and again, let's be honest, I don't really pay. I don't. I rarely watch post-match interviews anymore, um, or read players' social media posts. I don't really care because they don't really mean anything because they're all the same. It's media washed, boring, um, not overly entertaining. <laughs> And obviously you're pissed off after what just lose. So I don't really want to look at it. But you know, if you you know, we we love the game, we breathe the game, you know, in and out, and we know what's good and we know what's bad. Um, I don't need a pundit or an ex-player to tell me what my eyes have already, you know, told me. But anyway, look, let's get into the game a little bit. Um, we'll go just through some of the goals because I do think all of them were interesting from one point or another. And we'll start with the, the first goal, which was definitely the most interesting one on the night um, from a neutral's perspective, for sure. Emil Smith-Rowe's goal, what did you think at first? It was a goal. Absolutely yeah. no question. Uh, it, it, for, for us, so we, we both have been referees, or your, your dad was a referee, I think it was. Correct, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we both know the rules of the game probably a bit better. I think it's fair to say a bit better than the average person. And for me... The foul, there was no foul committed. It, I no. mean, whether it was our player or Fred, there was even if it was our player, I don't think there was a, it was a foul anyway. So there was no foul committed in the build-up. Yeah. Uh, and it's up to the referee to stop the game, mm-hmm. um, be it whether it's an outfield player with, with a head injury or a goalkeeper down injured. Referee mm-hmm. has to stop the game. Doesn't blow his whistle until the ball was passed across the line and gone in the back of the net. Yeah. So perfectly legal goal. One thing I would touch on, you could argue that we can do the sportsman-like thing and let them score at the other end. But nope, fuck that. Wasn't even our play that injured him in the first place. So yeah. nothing that's, wrong with that's that. The, that was the vital part. As soon as we all saw the replay, we knew who committed what on who, and it was Fred. Um, it would have been very interesting if he blew the whistle, by the way, before the ball hit the net to see that. What the fuck? How would he have managed to do that? Because what would you have done? A drop ball, giving the ball back to us. But yeah, I mean, look, we don't have to worry about it too much. But that did cross my mind. I was like, what would have happened if he did blow the whistle? But look, yeah, it was nothing to do with us. We did nothing wrong. Put the ball in the back of net. And as you say, like, it's one of those, I've seen a few people go, I'd go mental if that happened against us. 
Why? Based on what? Based on what? The only thing you can go mental at is Atkinson not recognising it earlier and blowing his whistle so that you what is there to attention. But also from the referee's perspective, what's he actually got? It's not a head injury. He's not holding his head at all. I will give the referee some credit. The referee is responsible for stopping the game if there's a head injury or the goalkeeper is down injured, regardless of what the injury is. At least as I was taught. Okay, fair. So I'll give him. I'll give them some credit. I think Atkinson should have blown because he sees the goalkeeper because it's so important to defending the goal, right? Of course, of course. That's the reason why, and it's the same with a mm. head injury. Head mm. injuries have to be taken serious enough that it, it's not the ball to go out of play; it's the referee's job to Wait, stop the game. I just but want to ask you a quick question on this, though, really quickly, because and I'd love your opinion on this. I think I might know what it is. Do you think goalkeepers are overprotected? Yes. Okay. Me too. Massively. Me too. Massively. Because when you're explaining that situation, right, my head goes to the reverse. Imagine this scenario. Everything happens the same, but David De Gea accidentally stands on Gabriel. Gabriel goes down in the box, right? Play continues on. We score. Obviously, just fuck it. De Gea didn't save it. And it went in. Like... What I'm trying to say there is, look, we could look back and go, oh, VAR penalty, maybe, in that scenario. But I'm just saying, like, going to the, you know, goalkeepers being overprotected, I just think, or, you know, you could even go, David De Gea stood on Fred, and Fred went down. The referee's not even, there's never going to be a stoppage of play there in that scenario. Just think, I can understand what you're saying. It's for a different reason, though. If an outfield Mm. player goes down, the referee is not allowed to stop it unless it's a head injury. Mm. So the only time a referee can stop the game if an mm. outfield player is down injured is if it's a head. And they okay. don't know how serious the head injury is, but yeah, they fair. have to stop it. Yeah. But in the case of a goalkeeper, it's not treated the same. It is weird though, isn't it? Because I'm just like, it's part of the game. Um, and, and again, if it was one of our players, it's still on him. Talk the goal off, free kick, job done. Yeah. No, no, I wouldn't even argue. I'm like, yeah, thank you. Didn't see it live. It then, yeah, it then comes down to, if it, if it was out, if it was out there, is it a foul? Because if David De Gea has come out for a punch, head-butted whoever it was, let's say it was Aubameyang, if he's head-butted Aubameyang and he's gone down injured as a result of his own action, Aubameyang's mm. not committed a foul, so it's this, the case is still the same. Mm. So regardless of... If, if it was our player, it's then down to whether it was a foul. In, the case, mm. in this case, it wasn't even our player, so there couldn't have been a foul, mm. and the referee didn't stop the game. So perfectly legal goal. Ah, oh, no, absolutely. I think the, the foul thing's funny. You know, you're going to get debate on that even. But if it was, let's just say it was Gabriel that accidentally stood on him. As a, you know, as a fan, just look at it from, from a new, you know, neutral perspective or even just my perspective with an Arsenal hat. And I'm just like, yeah, I could see why that would be chalked off. Because I'm like, you've affected a key player by standing mm-hmm. on him. Yeah, look, it's shit. But yeah, if it was, again, if it was, you know, that was, the you know, against us, I'd be like, yeah, that's fair. That's a free kick. But it, yeah. you know, it wasn't. If- yeah, if that had happened, fair, fair. If it was our player injured De Gea, committed a foul, absolutely fine to rule it out. Yeah. But that's not what happened, so perfectly fine goal. <laughs> perfectly fine goal. So we're one nil up, out of nowhere. Life is good. Not for too long though, unfortunately, because yeah, I mean, look, the the equaliser from Bruno Fernandez. Um, I mean, from my point of view, looking back at it, I just thought that again. And this is a recurring theme with Arsenal this season. The experienced players are starting to let us down a little bit. 
Uh, we obviously we've already been talking about one of them for quite some time there. And it's there's two in particular for the equaliser where I feel Party and El Nene are both ball watching um, for this goal. They're not looking at their men. They're too busy just watching where the ball is. Uh, and I just thought overall it was poor. I mean, just on Thomas Partey very quickly, I thought he was quite poor again uh, in this game, was giving the ball up quite a bit. And as I said earlier, I thought Sandy was actually the better centre centre midfielder that we had against Newcastle. But was there anything that you you felt on, on the first goal itself that you know that stuck out for you, which was poor? Um, no, I mean I can see past so the obvious thing is Ben White gets his clearance all, all wrong. Mm. But I can look past that individual mistake yeah. because he doesn't usually make them. And you know, you can we can say it for all three goals, really. Erdegaard has won us points. He's cost us in this case, but he has won us points at Burnley, for example, and got the equaliser. Mm. Um, uh, Nuno has been absolutely great recently. He's been a revelation. Mm. So I, I don't care about the individual areas and I don't think Ben White's case. You're right. Yeah. Elneny and Party are bull-watching, but the back four also don't squeeze. So yeah. when Ben White gives the ball away, they freeze. They've, they've mm. frozen. They need mm. to step up. Mm-hmm. and squeeze upwards. Um, mm. The whole team doesn't do anything. They don't respond. Yeah, switch and, off momentarily, yeah. Yeah, and credit, I don't like to say it, credit to United, that they, they've spotted an opportunity, they've recycled the ball, and yep. they were quick. They were on it, straight yep. away. And, and they were clinical, they were ruthless. Um, and and it, there's a first mistake from White, and then we don't deal with it. We're, we're, we're frozen basically. Yeah. I mean, I was disappointed particularly with Thomas Partey just not tracking the runner as well. Uh, Recognising the danger again with someone with that much experience I would expect him to be better. But yeah, I mean, look, overall yeah, not not the greatest goal to concede. Really annoying because it was so close to to half-time. I do think you know, the game could have been quite different if we managed Mm -hmm. to get in at 1-0. That would have been great. I think you're absolutely right and I think actually that one all was absolutely fair on the balance of play because we let United mm. attack. Now they were shocking. Mm. United had nothing to throw at us. They had mm. absolutely nothing. They were awful. Yeah, they we were. We let them, but we let them. And we 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 said, okay, by all means come at us. And just for that reason alone, they merited a one all half time. Mm. And uh, that, that's what this, the goal was the goal, and we can point out individual mistakes. But actually, the major mistake is beforehand. You know, we, we've scored a dodgy crawl goal. The Old Trafford crowd are on Atkinson's back. So for five, ten minutes, we just need to see it out, make the game as dull as possible. But mm. after that, we need to take control a bit more and then go, right, well, these guys are crap. We've seen through this. The crowd is dying mm. down again. Mm. They're there for the taking. Let's play again. Really, that first half, they really were. They really were there for the taking in the first half. They were, I mean, you're absolutely spot on. They were incredibly poor. They didn't offer massive amounts. Yes. That one piece of play to equalise was good play. It was, and you said you said it. They, they capitalised on it, and they were clinical and ruthless. Um, because as annoying as it is from an Arsenal perspective, and you can look at oh, this player should have done X, Y, Z. Again, let's flip that round. And Arsenal scored that goal. I'd be pretty happy with it. So I mm. get what you're saying there. But yeah, I mean, it's a shame we didn't get in at one nil. Um, but anyway, that so we're in at half time one one. Everything to play for in the second half because again even though, and I'm sure that many Arsenal fans would probably share, if you can, sorry, if you can hear that, listeners, I apologise, there's a, there's a guy who lives over the road from me who's decided to buy the, the fucking loudest motorbike on the planet, to be honest with you. I've never heard anything like it. Side note, does my heading. But anyway, shut the fuck up. 
sorry for that. So, yeah, going into the second half, I was like, not disheartened that we'd conceded. I was like, you know what? They haven't played well. We still haven't really played that well yet either. This is the game's there. Um, I just feel the second goal was a really, really big one, even though we came back pretty quickly. But the frustrating thing for me with this goal was more ball watching again. Um, it was really obvious. I even called it live at the time. Ronaldo doesn't have to move much. Um, no. He doesn't do anything extravagant. He just runs a diagonal straight line into the box. And Ben White is just massively watching the ball and he's not tight enough to Ronaldo. Um, that was really disappointing. But again, he's young. I'd like to think he can learn from this. Uh, it was a good finish. I mean, is it, if there's anything else you want to add to that goal, then, then please be my guest. A, li a little. I think the mistake, actually, I, this is probably really quite hard. I think the mistake's on Arteta for not bringing Smith Rowe off at halftime. I thought it was really obvious in the first half that this was a game too far for Smith Rowe and a mm. halftime change was needed. I really would have got Smith Rowe off. And what happens before the goal? There's actually a loose ball that's in the air and Nuno, he's come out for it a, a bit excitedly, almost. He's jumped out of his hole, but he's reached it and he's laid it off and sort of cushioned it for Smith Rowe. Smith Rowe is, is beyond dead. It's not the perfect cushion. It's a bit away from him, but mm. Smith Rowe didn't really have the energy to properly go for the ball and get it under his control. A fully mm. fit Smith Rowe, I think possibly could, mm. but he wasn't fully fit. I didn't ever get the sense that he was fully fit during that match. Yeah, no, I can and see. I, I think it just stems from that because then our left flank was wide, wide open. It, it was wide it? open. Yeah, it was. And, and that's where the danger comes from. You're right, there wasn't enough movement. We didn't spot the danger. Could Ramsdale have called out and said, lads, Ronaldo's here in the box. Sweet. He's yeah. probably one of the best players in the world at this moment in time. Be aware of him, yeah? Um, yeah as a goalkeeper, I, I know I would even have to. I mean, look. There's... I'm nitpicking a bit. I'm very nitpicking. But as a goalkeeper, I know that I'm looking at who's in the box, is their danger, and I'm telling my defenders, mark up. I mm. shout at every cross. So I, I'm nitpicking. But it's, I, it's not nitpicking. Again, this is the elite level. Elite, elite level of the, you know, the Premier League, and yeah, again, and I, I haven't, I haven't seen it back. I haven't had the heart to. So I don't know if Ronaldo at all makes any kind of movement to feign and then drop again. No, uh, you're shaking. He your head really does. He's a very not then. diagonal run in, and you, there is a moment okay. where because Ben White's kind of half got his back to him at one point, and if all he needs to do is take a glance to his right, he'll see where Ronaldo is, and that's when he'll probably go, oh shit better pick him up and he just did yeah okay um, so he's too focused on the ball coming yeah. down the left channel yeah, yeah. like I said I, I, his movement was nothing spectacular um in that regard great finish great ball to, to pick him out obviously but yeah it was and, and he's he's left Ramsdale no chance because he stuck it right on the side ah, yeah, you know, you're not looking at Ramsdale there. There. I'm just no 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 I'm, I'm actually not I'm just making sure that nobody does <laughs> No, yeah. Um, but yeah the, it, it stems from that left Nuno comes out cushions it the Smith Rowe's not fit enough to be able to really attack, not attack, that's the wrong word, but mm. look at the ball and go mine and put move his body enough to get that ball under his belt. Mm. That, yeah. that was for me, yeah. No, I mean, look, yes, I can see it. We can nitpick on all the goals, really. You, every goal you mm. ever concede, you could nitpick at, to be honest with you. Absolutely. But then 
you know, going 2-1 down was bitterly disappointing. And to be honest with you, I feared the worst at that point because when we go behind, that's generally just how it goes. Um, so to get back in it, you know, within two minutes um, from a, a relatively tidy finish, I would say. Um, and, you know, a great pick out from Martinelli first time as well. Um, and a party before, party before. Yeah, party did decide to turn for all of a split second and play a ball out, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so he spread the ball out to Martinelli, who then, yeah, played it for, for Odegaard, who then wonderfully tucked it into the bottom corner. And we're back in it straight away. And I'm, again, stupidly, like I did against, you know, against Liverpool Anfield, let my mind wander and go, well, you know, this again, the game's still there for the taking. And we just was really disappointed when we got back on level terms, I never felt like we really looked like scoring again afterwards, to be honest with you. I agree, actually, because... But the weird and worrying thing is I also didn't feel like it was through any... So how can I articulate this? I never... I always felt that through the eyes of Man United defending that there were goals in this for us. Mm-hmm. But at the simultaneously, we weren't doing enough to score goals. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I couldn't show the feeling off because you're right. When we equalise, you go, fair fucks. We've woken up here. Okay, we shouldn't have been here in the first place, but mm. okay, we've woken up. Party, superb. Martinelli, it- absolutely phenomenal. That pick out and the pace on that cross was absolutely unreal. Mm. And then Erdegaard to finish, you think, well, Erdogan and Party are our key men who have been struggling. What a confidence boost this must be. Confidence boost, yeah. What? And then, yeah, we, we just... I can't help get the feeling that Man United were there for the taking throughout. And there was nothing that Man United did that made me think, mm. we're going to have trouble scoring against these lot. Mm. But then I look at what we did and I went, I don't think we look like we'll score in a month of Sundays. Yeah. Um, but I think the funny think thing is right. for that goal, and it might be kind of what you're alluding to a little bit, was that equaliser wasn't as if we did something mind-blowingly great. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't as if we cut them, like massively cut them open, right? And we were just backing it like that, just like that. And that's when I was just like, guys, like, what, you know, what more do you, what more, what, you know, I try and struggle to get my words out here, but what... Is there any more evidence that you need in the game that these the, the, the opposition that you're playing, and Steve mentioned it and a few others did afterwards saying that we, you know, we ended up playing the occasion and not the team, and I think that's a really good way to put it. That was it for me in, in a nutshell. Is Guys, this, the writing's on the wall for you there. You've just scored two goals at Old Trafford so far. Second one was relatively straightforward. They're not cutting you open left, right and centre. Let's go. Let's let's try and take this game now. What's left? Because I would have rather have lost 3-2 when we just got caught with our pants down on the break, trying to get three points instead of losing. I'm going, and this is something which I think if you just look at that one game as a whole, and I say that, you'd be like, Jesus, you know, you're spoiled bastards. I mean, what more do you want to see? But it comes back from I'm sick of watching Arsenal just go into big games and then just going out with a bit of a whimper to be honest with you, and not really, you know, really, really giving it a go. And I'm like, because we're all in the same boat this morning. I and mean, we probably said it or this evening, whenever, you know, decide to take this in. But that game, we're all frustrated today because yeah. that game was there for the taking and we didn't do it. Um, and that's what, 
and I'm not bitter. I'm not annoyed that we lost necessarily. I'm just annoyed that we didn't really apply ourselves when we got back to 2-2. And I think that's maybe that's where we do. And again, I'm not, I hate this whole in out shaking all about debate that we love to fucking do as a, you know, as a fan base. It's all, you've all got, to, you know, you can't be one or the other. You flip flopping, as they like to say, you've got to stick with your guns. I'm just like, I don't. I just, you know, my opinion will fluctuate based on what I see throughout the year. Do you know what I mean? But I do think there's yeah. elements of Arteta that I want to see or start to see improvement on. And that is, like I've said, tactical fluidity. Mix it up a little bit. You know, be brave. Make the changes that will give us a better opportunity to win the match. And I just feel like, we, you know, we didn't. But Yeah, um, I'm yeah. fully with you. And, and I just wanted to say, there was nothing that happened in that game that told me Man United were better than us. No. We had the, the, the equaliser we scored was on the flip side to Man United's first goal, their equaliser. We it was clinical and it was ruthless from Man United. Mm. This goal was clinical and ruthless from Arsenal, mm-hmm. but we were quality, we had quality to do it and to be mm. clinical. Uh, it was a wonderfully bent ball, it, it, it was there to be played. Man United let us play it. Mm. But Party has bent that ball and curled it right into Martinelli's path in the area he's going to want it. So he Martinelli, can first time as well, yeah. yeah. Martinelli to have the vision to get that, get his head up, not just hit a ball into the box at some kind of height and hope someone heads it, but to actually go, you know what? It's not even a cutback. It's a side. It's down the same side. It's level, and to hit it with the pace and the accuracy on the floor first time, superb. And Erdegaard, you might look at it and go, well, perhaps it was just got finished. Doesn't matter. He's put it in. His aim is to get it in the corner and he's hit the side netting. So actually, he's done what he's aimed to do there. On his weaker foot, let's remember, on his weaker foot. So that goal had, as we were clinical and ruthless and it had class written all over it. And it was easy for us to take Man United apart in that one move. There was nothing that said, we can't take these guys to town. There was nothing in that game that said we couldn't, yeah. have, but we didn't show it. We didn't yeah. show it. It's a massive opportunity missed. Um, I mean, we always feel nervous going into this game, but I really felt like it It was never a statement game for me, by the way. Um, I know some people say that, you know, winning Old Trafford would be you know, a statement or whatever. I don't know what it's a statement for necessarily, but because they're not the United and we're not the Arsenal that we were once upon a time. I just felt like it was a wonderful opportunity to, you know, go above West Ham, go into the top four, which we haven't done for a long time. It would have been nice to, to just slot in there, a couple of points clear, go eight points clear of United in the interim as well, which is that's, that's a big gap. And we just, yeah. the opportunity was there to do it. And I think that's why we're all so bitterly disappointed today is, you know, we could have gone back in the top four. Yeah, and now the- I'm, looking at, I'm looking at the table this morning. And now we've got Tottenham, a game in hand and a point behind us. Where the yeah. fuck did that come from, by the way? Um, and then you, yeah. you know, United are now only two points behind us. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> so much a statement. You're absolutely spot on. But the real opportunity was there to put a distance. As you say, we could have been eight points clear of them. And make no mistake, Man United will win games. They've got a new interim manager who'll put, the, put a side together that is at least hard to beat. And they've got quality to score goals and win games. 3-2 if they need to, mm-hmm. as as evident mm. um, as evidence yesterday. 
make no mistake, they'll win games. We could have been eight points clear, but instead we're two points clear. Yeah. That's the real letdown. That is the reality. Um, and look, I think that kind of, I'm not really going to talk about the penalty too much. Odegaard was naive, silly challenge. That's that's it. Ronaldo scores. Job done. Um, we've been waffling on about that United game for quite some time. So we're going to shift gears a little bit. If that's okay with you, Liam, I will just say, have you got anything else you wanted to add? What um, no, we've, there's no, there's, I think we've touched on everything. There's no need to really relit game. It was, I was disappointed with Arteta. Steve yeah. will be absolutely beaming to hear that um, <laughs> when he listens to this back. Yeah. But no, I was so disappointed with this with the substitutions, the choices. I mean, some things you can look at and say in hindsight, because as we always say, it's a wonderful thing. It is. But I think some were just obvious enough that, that when we're winning, Arteta makes good calls that help us win the game. And you think, yeah, okay, you start mm. to learn. And then it just gets undermined by, by some interesting decisions. I, I just can't see reasons for Eddie Nketiah coming on no. the day after he's rejected a new contract. It's baffling, isn't it? And that's it's things like that which just don't you know you're under serious pressure as a manager as it is. Don't give people the extra bit of fuel they need, or you know, don't put an extra target on your back, an easy one at that, because we can all see that. We we can read. We saw that he rejected the contract yesterday. Why the fuck is he that you know put him in the squad as backup? But I, I don't I don't want to give him any more minutes. I don't. No, the only excuse is you can go, well, I was I know we rejected a contract last night, but with 3-2 down to Man United, I need to get a goal. I've thrown on all the attacking strikers I've got available to me because we've got Aubameyang on the pitch, Lacazette on the pitch, Eddie and Ketty are on the pitch. Like I'm just adding another striker, but he took Aubameyang off. And it was wasn't as much it was as much taking Aubameyang off as it was putting Eddie on. And it's just it just undermines all the good work and that frustrated me because I do think there's a coach in Arta, so I think there really do think there is, but just undermines it. And it's like oh, you're so close, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think yeah, I think you're right. There is a, there's definitely a coach in Arteta. So I think we can all see that, right? Um, because if he was really shit, he wouldn't still be in the job. Uh, and I do think he's done good things with this. Um but it's just a case of I am now waiting for you to start to take, you know, like you would with a player, right? If you've seen glimpses, it's like Martin, you know, Martinelli, for example. I've seen great things from Martinelli, but I'm keen for you to get a, you know, a run in the side and take that next step. Basically, that's what I'm wanting from Arteta now at this point is, right, you've solidified some stuff here. You, you know, the defence looks a lot better, bar a few things last night and against Liverpool. But we've kept a lot of clean sheets, right? You don't do that through, through mistake. So there's definitely improvements. Which is still a bit blunt going forward, um, but yeah, I, I want to see him adapt himself now and become, yeah, just have a bit more fluidity in his decision making and stop being so stubborn. Very Pep-like in that regard, I find. Which is, and I hate those comparisons because they work together, um, but I can see it a little bit, <laughs> which is annoying. Yeah, that, that's fair. Anyway, didn't mean to relitigate it, even though I said I wouldn't, but. Okay, that's, that's what we're here to do. We do what we want. It's our podcast. Dude. We do what we want. No one's going. No one's going to have a bad word to say about it. So, I mean, we kind of touched on Everton already. I think, look, you know, it's obvious what we need to see. We need to see again, like we did against Newcastle, another, another response. But I do feel like, 
you know, playing Everton away is never easy. And in as poor a form as they're in, and, you know, we are the perfect club to face if you're in that kind of form. Uh, we'll probably give you a bit of a confidence boost. So I'm naturally nervous now for Monday. And it's another game that you look at from an Arsenal perspective that can go either way. Um, but what I'm looking for, and as I'm sure you and, and everybody else is for, is a, a response. You know, I want us to, to win uh, and get back on track. I mean, is there anything more we wanted to add about Everton before we move on to one good, one bad? Not immensely. I think it's, I think you hit the nail on the head. Basically, it's what what do we do now? What's our response? Um, I kind of I just feel that we we came back well after Liverpool. We got a good result against Newcastle with a mm. good performance, mm. um, and that was what really encouraged me. Now, if we'd have won yesterday, I'd have said, "Yeah, I'm feeling super confident going into Everton." So I think I'm less confident simply because we've lost and it was a very disheartening way that we lost. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it mostly stems from, not so much anything about Everton or us, just the way that yesterday panned out and it's so fresh in the memory. So I think we have enough to beat Everton. Usually I would be much more confident in saying, yeah, we've got enough to win this. I'm naturally nervous anyway, regardless. So there'll never be a part of me that goes, yeah, we can win this. Um, but yeah, it's just a root. It's what, what do we do now? Do we do we hang our heads in shame and, and sulk and self pity ourselves and let Everton have their day? No. Or do we turn up and go, fuck you guys, we're getting our event, we're pissed and we're going to take out on you lot now? A bit like the, we did, the, the scoreline didn't reflect it, but a bit in the sense that we did with Newcastle, we just stamped our authority on them yeah. and went, yeah, we're having you guys. See you yeah. later. That's what you want to see. I want to see a, a response. And maybe Aubameyang sat on the bench for that game. Uh, that, that, that or an Aubameyang hat-trick, I'll take it. <laughs> I'd, I'd happily take that as well, Liam. I'd take it if he fucking scuff one in from one yard in the last minute. Fuck it. If we get three points, I don't really care how we go. Goes, if it goes on off his arse and it wins us the game, who gives a shit? But if, if I'm picking the team, I wouldn't start him. But if it does start, give us a hat-trick. Come on, Aubameyang. Yeah, it's overdue. But anyway, right. That's the, the match chat out of the way. Um... Before we move on to on this day, uh, which I've got, a, I've got a nice one for you, Liam. Right, I've, I've purposely picked one from your era. I could have been an arsehole, <laughs> right? But I thought, no, let's let's keep this simple. But before we get on to that, one good, one bad. What's your one? We'll start with the bad. Fuck it, let's go. What's your one bad? Um. Well, what haven't we talked about that I can use as a one bad? Right. Mm. Uh, it's difficult to say. I'll go. I'll go. Ben White. Just ben White, you're bad. Okay. Uh, no, nothing. Nothing major. Because it's just that he'd been very, very good, and it felt like it was really quite settled. Hmm. Really quite settled. Hmm. And I thought just yesterday it was the, the mistake was obvious, right? And he doesn't normally do that, but I didn't really get the feeling he was quite on his game some of the he made a couple of runs forward that didn't really feel as secure as I might do normally correct some of his passing wasn't quite the standard I, I, I've got almost got used to him seeing and that's quite a credit to him mm-hmm. so it's just a little, little bit of a down a day for White a little okay. bit and I don't mean that to be harsh on him or, or no I mean look these are it's just something we haven't just something we haven't touched upon yet and it, uh, it, I'm sure he'll be able to bounce back and he'll be fine but that's that's my bad Cool. I think you could probably have an educated guess of what my one bad might be. Is it a certain forward-thinking player? or 
the forward possibly from african or from africa somewhere yeah unfortunately yeah look my one bad is Aubameyang um, for his miss the, the weekend and it's just overall performances and just again I, I hate bashing one individual and I do feel like I do it a little bit with Aubameyang I'm, I'm not here to bash him I don't hate the guy but I'm just look I, I want the best I want what's best for Arsenal Football Club not for Aubameyang to be honest with you so yeah I think it's it's obvious mate anybody else playing as poorly as he has been for, for as long as he has would be sat down no questions asked um, captain or not so yeah I would like to see that happen and then if you still don't get a reaction out of him there's that what more evidence do you need none um, so yeah that, that's my one bad your one good what, what are you going to go I'm going to take possibly the really obvious one that you might have already had I'm very sorry but Gabriel Martinelli oh wow I mean, I, I knew he was good. I've, I've seen, scored enough goals in this team and a lot mm. of variation of goals for me to know that he's a very good player. Give him a run on the side, give him a few years, give him a chance to bulk up and we've got a play on our hands. Mm. That goal against Newcastle, you can't teach that technique. You can't teach that awareness. No. Oh, what? You, you know you've got a good player on your hands when you've got someone who could do that in the heat of the moment. At 1-0, with the game still a bit in the balance, to really sort of make you feel a little bit safer. Oh, wow. And just after coming on, he's, he's not even 90 seconds into, into the game. Wow. And yeah. then, he, then he follows it up. He earns his start against Man United at Old Trafford, possibly mm-hmm. thanks to Saka being a bit injured, but he'll take it. And he, well, I said he'll take it. Boy, did he. Uh, he was easily the best player on the, on the day. At what a quality assist. I can't speak highly enough. It might go a bit under the radar, but I really can't speak highly enough of that cross into the box. So Martinelli, okay. easy. Martinelli. And do you know what? I didn't even have one good or one bad before I started <laughs> even speaking about this. That's my how prepared I was for that particular aspect of the show. So I'm going to do what one of you two have liked to have done in the past. I'm just going to jump on one of yours. <laughs> and, uh, but no, I think you're right. I think Martinelli, the goal alone was spectacular. Wonderful finish. Uh, the awareness, the quality, the, just all everything about it. You know, we all know that ball, a ball coming over your shoulder like that to to control it even is hard enough. Let them finish. Um, so yeah, magic. The only thing I always try to do with Martinelli is not get too carried away. It, I can see why people do, of course. Um, I just think I have this horrible part of my mind that just says, "Don't let yourself get carried away. Don't. You're just setting yourself up for disappointment." So maybe I've been a little bit, you know, more realistic in my mind. And I've seen flashes, but I've also seen a few performances from Martinelli during his time. You know, dare I throw Brentford out there where, you know, he's played up front in the Aubameyang position, hasn't done a lot, which is maybe a case of he's a wide man. He, he, maybe he's not a nine, for say, or whatever. You know, numbers don't really mean a lot, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, so with him, I'm excited to see it. Again, kind of, I touched on, you know, I want to see Arteta and Martinelli take those next steps. Let's hopefully they can take them together and build this, you know, a wonderful partnership yeah. of some description. That'd be fantastic. Absolutely. So that's one good, one bad. On this day, uh, we're going to go back to 2011. Okay. Is that all right for you, 2011? I know you're... I was still a young teenager, so... Nice. You're out the hoodies. That's one thing. Cool. Just, just, just about. Only just at that age. Good lad. Good lad. So we played Wigan Athletic away. 
a thumping 4-0 away victory. Fucking hell, what are those? I can't remember. Yeah, what are those like? Uh, I thought you only got those at home. Well, barely. Give me the start and 11 from that match day. I don't know. Look, I've, I've used the BBC. The website's so old, it's not even really loaded properly, to be honest with you. It's half appeared on the right-hand side. So there's no structure to it whatsoever. So I'm going to have a look and go... Uh, four, five, one? Probably four, two, three, one, or something along those lines. I could have done that. <laughs> it's like four, oh, five, right, one's right, right, right. Anyway, okay. I'll start with a goalkeeper. Hit me. 2011, Chesney. Chesney, smoking machine. Yes. I've got to say, I don't remember this game. It's such an anonymous, must be an anonymous, another game week in the Premier League type of fixture, right? Probably, let's be honest, that whole period, yeah. Probably, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So Chesney. Chesney let's have a thing. Sanya must have still been around. So, yeah, yeah. easily. So, Sanya? He's not in the squad. Oh, the one week he was injured or some or suspended or something. Probably. So right back. Let me have a thing. To be honest, honestly, to be honest, you're looking at this. I don't even fucking know who played a right back, to be honest. I was gonna say, could it have been Debushi? Could it no, that's too early for him. Uh Jenkinson's gonna to be too early for him. Um Abue? No, no, none of those players played, actually, funnily enough. Oh, okay. I, I mean, to be honest, look, looking at this, the, the, the four defenders we've got playing. None I, of them look like right-backs? I think it must have been like an emergency situation of someone weird playing a right-back. Okay, well, let's have, a, let's have a think of other defenders from that Go centre-halves first. Let's do the centre-halves. Mertzak and Koscielny. Mertzak was playing, Yes. I would like to think with his severe lack of pace and ability, <laughs> he wasn't. So we'll go with he was one of the centre halves that day, yeah. Okay, not Kashani though. Kashani was playing. Now I think I think he was right playing back. at right back. Yeah, I think. Looking at the other. Okay. So who's the other slow centre back? Skilachi? Nope. No. Okay. I think um, just... Johan Giroud? No. Uh, who else would we've had left back, left back. I'll give you a clue. Probably one of the worst signings Arsene Mengo ever made. Andre Santos. Correct. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, one more centre half. Oh, another centre half. I think he's still playing as well. I think. Not for Arsenal, or bloody hell. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Um, oh, who could it be then? So it must have been a, a younger. Is it from our academy? No. Oh, you know what? This He's from hard. close to your neck of the woods of where you are now. Close. Mm, Dutch, German, Belgian, Vermaelen. We want to. Thomas Vermaelen, yeah. So, I, I mean, look, you can see why I got a bit thrown by that back four. <sighs> yeah, well, it must have been Vermaelen and... and and Murtasaka because Vermaelen's a lefty isn't he it's quite an achievement that even that back five didn't concede a goal to be honest with you it's a fair play to him anyway, even against Wigan even against Wigan what a place that is by the way well who, well, who we've also had a fair share of difficult fixtures against I remember a certain one at the Emirates of 
No, no, I'm thinking of Hull now, I think. I was thinking of a rocket from... I mean, there, there was a rocket from a Wigan player and there was also a rocket from a... Is it Giovanni? Oh. Giovanni who scored an absolute pearl. Yeah, Dos Santos. Yeah, Mexican fella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but anyway. Well, we've had midfield. our pictures against Wigan. Let's go midfield then. Midfield in that era, 2011. I'm going to say one holding mid, two centre mids, and then one wide left and right. Song? Alex Song was in that centre mid, yes. Not the holding, the centre mids. Don't know, Liam. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, De Nelson, was he? Nope. Arteta? Arteta was in there. I definitely didn't see the goal scorers, by the way, um, before we started Oh, yeah, did. Definitely Think about did. it. <laughs> oh, yeah, it yeah. took me a minute to actually remember I'd actually seen just the goal scorers, so I wouldn't even know one of the wingers. Yeah. Um, who would have been the other midfielder, though? Uh, Arteta song. It was way too early for the Cazorla era. Um, Rosicki? No. No. Okay. You had me thinking you were on the right path there when you first started saying his name. Oh, um, ruh. Ruh, ruh, ruh. <laughs> that's a dog has not joined the podcast. That's just Liam. No, that's that's just that's just me. I, I make noises. Um, I can't believe this is taking you so long, Liam. I'm going through, I'm just going through that sound in my head. I'm going, didn't we have players starting with R yeah. besides Rosicki? Yeah. Oh, my mind's gone a blank. I'll come, can I come back to it? Don't tell me yeah, I'll come back to okay, it. Okay, okay. So what wingers? Javinho. Javinho is one of them, unfortunately. Yeah. The mighty Javinho. The other one on the left. Well, presumably, because I think Javinho used to be on the right. Oh no, well, maybe Walcott played. Walcott did play. Yeah. Oh. Striker. Striker. Yeah. Van Persie. Correct. Right. Let's go back to that one centre midfielder. Ruh. I didn't buy myself as much time as I thought I did, if I'm honest. No. That's come back a lot quicker than you realise, yeah. Def- Ramsey. Thank you. Jesus Christ. Oh, got them, yeah. <laughs> I bought myself, I didn't buy myself much time, but I bought myself enough time. So yeah, it was Ramsey. So it was a 4 0 away victory, as I said, 2 0 at half time. Goal scorers on the day. Mr. Manager himself, Mikel Arteta, Thomas Van Arlen, Javinho, and Van Persie. Substitutes were Fabianski, Johan Juru, The Ox, Arshavin, Ben Ayun, Coquelin, and Shamak. Ben Ayun, that was always a, that was a fun year. Um, Good year. Very, very strange year. So that's that will conclude on this day. Um, which Liam, you, I, I thought you'd do better on that one, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, you should. I just got to go through the players in my head, and I think I've got a good excuse why I didn't get the right back too early. Um, Let's be honest, that whole I, the old back four, I don't blame you for at all. Actually, <laughs> it was a bit of a shit show by the looks of it. It was, but it was one of the eras I do remember. It was one of the eras, like I started the Emirates era, but it was when I really started to remember things. It was around the when it made, the when Vermalans, it starts the Cosciones and the that League Cup final. It's, I find with football, it's not a case of what I remember. It's when I started to feel stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, Actually care. Like, yeah. Give a shit. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. I never, which I never did. Because then, you know, my life would probably be a lot easier. <laughs> but, you yeah, know, that's, that's the wonderful world of a football fan. But look, 
As always, I think on that, that bombshell, it's time to end the show. You know, we just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. You know, as we're on Apple uh, these days, if you like the show, please do drop, um, you know, a five-star rating. Of course, can't be any lower than that. It's the only option that you have. Uh, and leave us that review on Spotify as well. We'd really appreciate it. If you want to follow any of us on the major social media po- platforms, you can do so. Steve, our absent host, we have no idea when he'll return, can be found on Twitter and Instagram at in the clock end. Myself, I'm on Twitter at underscore the arse underscore and Instagram at the Arsenal shirt. And Liam, he can be found on Twitter at Ronin Guna. Again, I'm trying to really improve the pronunciation really of that. Was it any use? It's, just, it's not far off, but just for the English listeners who, who don't understand Dutch, Gronin Guna. Gronin, yeah, Gronin Guna. That's there you go for the Londoners. Grone Guna. There we go. But anyway, look, keep an eye on our social media feeds uh, for information on the next podcast. We will do one after Everton, but as you know, TV first and all that, it'll probably be recorded on a Tuesday, all being well. Uh, but look, until then, look after yourselves, look after each other. Take care. Goodbye. Goodbye.